Today, our Bible, verse, or Bible verses that we're studying are in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you want to find that, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible. So chapter 26, and we'll look at verses 1 through 11 this morning. So this past, this past week, I had the opportunity to attend a celebration luncheon for one of our Sunday school teachers who has taught for 50 years, Felix Shepherd, amazing, 50 years. And his class put on a really nice luncheon for him here at the church, and they had all the fixings. And while we were there, our oldest member of the church, Brucey East, who's a member of the class, uh, she, she will be... 100 years old in May of next year. So she's 99, almost 100, and it's really wonderful to sit and talk to her. Somebody asked her, what's the secret to your longevity? What's the secret to your longevity? And we were enjoying dessert. It was Lois Simmons' homemade chocolate cake with Nutella in it, just fantastic. So we're eating this. And then Brucey, here's that question. That she says this, I give thanks to the Lord every day. The first thing out of her mouth when asked the question, the secret of her longevity, I give thanks to the Lord every day. And then, and then she said two other things that were really neat too. The second thing was she said, I love listening to the Bible. She can't see very well, so she listens to it sometimes for hours at, the, uh, at a time. And she says, I always learn something new. And that was really cool. And then the third thing she said was, clean living. I don't drink and I don't smoke. Never have, never will. So she gave us a little three-point message there. Give thanks every day, right? Read the Bible and clean living. Now, we could take a whole series on that, but since it's Thanksgiving week, we're going to focus on Brucey's first point, being thankful every day. That's the first secret of longevity, she says. Not only just being thankful, but I believe that over the course of her lifespan, it's a pattern or a constant habit of being thankful, the daily practice of gratitude. And I believe when we practice gratitude, it gives us cause to help others to be thankful. Not that we say or do things to get anything in return, but it is really wonderful when we live our lives in such a way that other people might have gratitude well up in their hearts, that we're loving them as Jesus would want us to. And I believe when that happens that we can literally change the landscape of this world where there is a lot of selfishness and there is a whole lot of relational disconnect, right? So this habit of gratitude is part of a greater spiritual discipline as we understand, as we understand it. Uh, the spiritual discipline of worshiping, the spiritual discipline of being grateful in our praying, prayer is a spiritual discipline, and so forth. So I hope that today we might be able to glean that uh, a habit of gratitude can really make a big difference not only in us but in, in other people. Dallas Willard has written a great book, a number of books, but a great book called 
the spirit of the disciplines. He passed away several years ago, a Baptist theologian and philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, and he writes of spiritual disciplines these words, the successful athlete knows that his disciplines must be undertaken and undertaken rightly, or his natural talents and best efforts will go down in defeat to others who have disciplined themselves in preparation for game time. We find here, what we find here is true of any human endeavor capable of giving significance to our lives. It's true for the public speaker and for the musician, the teacher, or the surgeon. A successful performance, he says, at a moment of crisis rests largely and essentially upon the depths of a self wisely and rigorously prepared in the totality of its being mind and body. He's speaking of habits, spiritual disciplines, and I believe that gratitude is one of those that we need to employ in our lives. Moses, who we're speaking of today in the text, endured all sorts of challenges and adversity as he led the people of Israel through the wilderness. He faced his own insecurities. He faced attacks from external enemies, internal threats from his own people, and even fear of the giants they would eventually face as they entered into the promised land. And as you read about Moses, his daily habits of prayer and submission to God sustained him and provided some key lessons not only for the people there that listened to him and followed him, but also for us today. You'll recall in the book of Exodus that God led Moses to, lead, to bring the people of Israel from Egyptian slavery through the Red Sea into freedom. But freedom meant wilderness, and they would spend some 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert of Sinai. And you'll recall that Joshua his, was one of his successors, and Caleb the other. Those are two key leaders who would then lead the people into Canaan, the promised land. Not even Moses himself would get to go. He died in the desert with a lot of other people. The book of Deuteronomy, then, is a book that consists of a series of farewell messages from Moses to the Israelites. Moses at the time was 120 years old. He helped them to have some understanding of what it meant to obey God, to obey the laws of God, to put them into practice, and to have a basic legal system so that there could be some sense of civil obedience in the culture and in the the land. God gave Moses these words, and they were an expansion of the laws that God had given him at Mount Sinai. The people would need to understand what it meant to obey God and to be faithful to God as they inherited this land filled with milk and honey. After many chapters and words to encourage the obedient and faithful citizenship in God's family, Moses then talked about giving. He talked about what it meant to give back. But before he started to talk about giving, he talked about receiving. So let's go to the text and we'll read and make some comment along the way. I'm just going to read verse 1 of chapter 26 right now. When you, Moses speaking to the people, when you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, 
and have taken possession of it and settled in it. And then he's going to tell them what to do. But that first verse has three verbs in it that are important. He says, when you have entered the land, when you have entered, when you have taken possession, when you have settled in it, right? entered into, taken possession, settled into. Moses is giving words to people here in verse 1 about how to receive, how to receive God's blessings. These words have to do with claiming the promises of God. To enter into and to take possession and to settle are ways that people were to receive the gift of the promised land that God would give them. They would no longer have to eat manna, the bread from heaven. They would no longer have to eat quail as as they had eaten all those years. No longer would they have to grumble and complain about things They would be in a beautiful land filled with milk and honey, which means all kinds of wonderful things. They would need to give, yes, but first they needed to know how to receive it, to learn to receive. And I don't know about you, but learning to receive is something I really need to do. I struggle with receiving things. Have you ever struggled with receiving a gift from somebody? Have you ever received a Christmas gift from somebody and you didn't have one for them? Have you ever had some people, maybe from church or maybe from your neighborhood, stop by and bring you some fresh-baked banana bread or Christmas cookies at at, at the holiday season, and then you're like, oh, uh, uh, I, I didn't have anything for you, right? And sometimes we just don't know how to receive from others. Have you ever had somebody pay you a compliment? Like, I love your hair. No, I, I just had it cut and it's too short and it's too orangey, right? Or, I love those new shoes. I, I, I mean, I love, where'd you, you know, where'd you get those? And, and then, of course, we have to say, well, I got them on sale and then all of these things so that we can justify it. Or somebody might say, I really like that new phone case you got. And then you say, Amazon Prime, Right? There, we, we seem to have to justify receiving something or we feel guilty when we receive something from someone and don't have anything to give them in return. I believe that God is giving us a lesson here that the people needed to receive the gift of the land that they would be given. The very first thing, when you have received it. One writer uh, says... When we are able to receive well from others, we can receive the love that comes along with the gift. When we receive God's promises, we receive the love that comes along with the gift. And now Moses provides some lessons on what it means to give. We who have received are then taught to give, to give back to God. We receive from God and we give back to God. That's what we've modeled this morning and model on a regular basis as we give. Verses 2 through 4. Listen to what Moses then says. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land. The Lord your God is giving you, again, gift from God, and put them in a basket. So, so once you're there, take the first fruits, your first and best, put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name, 
and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And then verse 4, the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. These are our ongoing faithful gifts to God. This is what I, I believe Moses is teaching the people and we learn from it. For us as Christians, we understand that's the first fruits of our labors, the first 10% of our household income, a tithe. Tithe means 10%. And we give that back to God because God has first given it to us. We offer a tithe of our time. And we, we take these and we put them in our offering basket. So our, our money and our time and our talents and our abilities and our calendar and all of these things that we have at our disposal that are gifts from God, we then give back to God that the kingdom of God might be advanced. If you tithe on your time and look at how much you have each week to give, it might be you know, two, four, six, eight, ten hours a week that you might give back to God in volunteer service. Many of you rock our babies in extended teaching care. We call it ETC. Some of you lead youth small groups. Some of you teach Sunday school. Others of you serve the homeless. Others have volunteered to go on mission trips. Some of you visit in the hospital. Some of you volunteer in our guest services ministry. Others of you serve on the fellowship team. This morning we have a wonderful potluck Thanksgiving breakfast and volunteers would have set up all of the tables and everything there. Others of you volunteer at Morningside, which is a residential facility right down from our church. I could go on and on, but many of you understand what it means to give back a portion of the time that God has given you. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give in Matthew 10, 8. And then he said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So the majority of Moses' message to Joshua and Caleb and the next generation was a, a reminder of this basket of their, of their giving. But, but it was more than just giving. It was also what I believe is their story basket. That's the second basket I wanted to share with you today. And it's a, more of a symbolic basket that we have. We are able to share that which God has done in our lives. Not only given to us, but what He's done. Look at these next verses. Verses 5-10. through 10. He goes from giving to then telling your story. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, speaking of Jacob, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. 
He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. And then Moses says, place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. You see, their offering basket was also a story basket. They gave because God had given to them. They had received, but then they were able to tell their redemption story. And you and I have a story to tell today as well. What has God done in your life? So this is the third thing I want us to remember is to share our story basket. You never know when you may have an opportunity to do that at work or at school or commuting, whatever that might be. You might be on the bus, in a restaurant. You never know when you have that opportunity to share your story basket. The Samaritan woman shared her story basket and a community was changed. Zacchaeus shared his story basket of how his heart had changed. Peter told his story and many were saved. Stephen told his story as he was persecuted. Priscilla told her story and made a tremendous difference. The Apostle Paul told his story. And you can read those in Acts 9 and Acts 22. We can share our redemption story, our story basket. And some of you might say, well, Pastor Bob, I have a difficult time sharing what I believe sometimes. It's, it's difficult for me. I know what I believe, but sometimes I need a little help. Well, we as Baptist people, we are not creedal people. We don't have to recite a creed to become a Christian. We don't have to recite a creed to become a member of the church. So some other traditions will recite like the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed regularly. And typically, Baptists don't do that. We're a confessional people, each person one-on-one -on -one relating to God through Jesus Christ. However, the Apostles' Creed can be some help because when we read it, we would agree with all that's in there. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I believe that he was crucified, dead, and buried. I believe that he rose again from the dead and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Universal Church. I believe in the, forgive, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. I believe in heaven. You can tell all of the things that you believe about God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the giving of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of your sins, and your belief that Jesus will come again someday. And in the meantime, you want to live as He would have us live to bring earth a little bit of heaven to this broken earth. That's a wonderful way to tell your story, to tell of your faith, to tell of the wonderful things that God has done for you, to share your story basket. Moses helps us to receive God's blessings and then to give our offering basket, to share our story basket. And then there's one more thing in the very last verse that I think is neat and wonderful and important. 
Verse 11, he says, Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice. You heard Kathy read that earlier. Rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. The message version says rejoice and celebrate all the good things that God has given to you and your family. I believe this means that we are called to habitual gratitude. To say thank you and to say it often. So today, I thought it would be nice just to write a few thank you notes to God. Philip, can you help me with a little bit of music for these, please? Thank you for creating the week with a built-in day off. Thank you, God, for the Bible that has names I can pronounce like Ruth and James. Thank you, God, for Sugar Shack Donuts. Thank you, God, for good Christian friends who come through when I need it. Thank you for the charter members of Huguenot Road Baptist Church. They were pioneers of the faith. Thank you for the volunteers who rock our babies teach our kids and work with our youth. They make a big difference. Thank you for grandmas who make homemade mac and cheese for potluck dinners at church. Thank you, God, for the name of a church that begins with a hug. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, in whose name we gather. And we pray that God would help us to have a practice of habitual gratitude. Would you pray with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the message of your word that gives us something fresh that we can apply to our lives immediately. Maybe even today we will be able to give thanks to someone who has 
served or volunteered or who's made a difference in our lives. Maybe we will treat people differently when we go to a restaurant, like this afternoon perhaps. Maybe we will treat our teacher differently in school as we appreciate the hard work that they do. All kinds of different ways that we can be grateful. Uh, But in order to do that, I believe we have to learn to receive. So help us, God, to learn to receive and that we might give and share our story along the way. We pray this in Jesus' name.